From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Focused on the facts. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It always seems that Donald Trump is never far away from making a splash, either a good or bad splash, whenever he speaks in public. Well, he's done it again. He may have upset a few people in the Jewish community, though, which is unlike Donald. But this is from New Hampshire. Donald Trump, the US Republican presidential frontrunner, said that undocumented immigrants were poisoning the blood of our country, which, of course, as many in the mainstream media said, repeated language that has previously drawn criticism as xenophobic and echoing of Nazi rhetoric. Trump made the comments during a campaign event in New Hampshire on Sunday where he rallied against migrant crossings at the US-Mexico border, which hit new highs in September. He has promised to track down on, sorry, crack down on illegal immigration and restrict legal immigration if elected to a second four-year term in office. They're poisoning the blood of our country, Trump told a rally in the city of Durham, adding that immigrants were coming to the US from Asia and Africa in addition to South America. All over the world, they are pouring into our country. Trump used the same poisoning the blood language during an interview with the National Pulse, a right-leaning website that was published in late September. It prompted a rebuke from the Anti-Defamation League, whose leader, Jonathan Greenblatt, called the language racist, xenophobic, and despicable. So Donald Trump, once again, he'll have to answer for that, though. That will be raised in public. If he ever gets to a public debate, ever, Uh, That will be raised. Now, I want to get back to something a little bit more local in Australia. It refers to the case that every one of my listeners right around the world would recognise, which was the alleged rape of a staffer inside Parliament House back in 2018. Now, there's a defamation process going on at the moment. Bruce Lerman, the accused man who was not found guilty. He is taking Channel 10, The Project, that is a news uh, show uh, for defamation, and also Lisa Wilkinson, the host of that show at the time. Well, former Channel 10 executive Peter Meekin conceded The Project should have gone back to Brittany Higgins after they received a contemporaneous email which showed the Chief of Staff, Fiona Brown, had supported Miss Higgins' to go to police. An email was forwarded to the project producer, Angus Llewellyn, from the Prime Minister's office the day after the broadcast. It was a copy of an email chain between the Assistant Secretary Advice and Support Branch, Ministerial and Parliamentary Services, described as a kind of HR person and Mr Brown. Sorry, Miss Brown. It stated that should she choose to, she's able to pursue a complaint, including a complaint made to the police, and that to do so would be within her rights. She would have the full and ongoing support of yourself and the minister. Mr Meekin said the email certainly tells a different narrative, and he agreed that if he had read the email, it would have been obviously important to go and check this account with Brittany Higgins. It would have been desirable, yes, to check her account. It goes on and on. And just to give you a little bit of an indication of how close Lisa Wilkinson was to Brittany Higgins, Brittany Higgins told Queensland Liberal MP Samuel O'Connor that she had worked with Four Corners on an episode. 
On March the 20th, 2021, the pair had a text conversation where Ms Higgins says, I have been working with Four Corners behind the scenes to help piece it all together. I have been staying with Lisa Wilkinson and Peter Fitzsimons in Sydney for the past few days. They have been so wonderful. On March the 8th, 2021, a Four Corners program was broadcast called Bursting the Canberra Bubble, which raised allegations about the then Attorney General Christian Porter. In 2020, a similar episode called Inside the Camera Bubble was broadcast uh, and Matthew Richardson SC said, when this message came in March 2020, did you understand or did you become aware whether or not Miss Higgins was talking about working behind the scenes on the Four Corners episode or in relation to the Christi Christian Porter story? Mr O'Connor, I don't recall which one that specifically is referring to. So that sort of leaves um, it up in the air as to what she was working on and whether she was working on any other media stories at the time that may have been to bring down the coalition government. We'll give you more as it comes to hand. This is TNT Radio. Talk that matters. For once, we just need to do what's best for this damn country and not what's best for the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I've got uh, Liberal Party Senator for New South Wales, Holly Hughes, with me on the line for the last time in 2023. Great to have you on. Thank you for your time. No problem, Smithy. Definitely looking forward to the end of the year. Yeah, I'm a little bit that way as well. I sort of started, it was during, not not last week, but the week before, I just started to cut a few corners and you start to do that as you get tired towards the end of the year, don't you? I am counting down until Friday. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't know whether this is related to the Festival of All Things Green, which was just held in Dubai, but there's now pressure building on the Labor government and from the unions uh, and Albanese's left faction, to kill the economy even more. They're now mm. talking about a 70% carbon reduction by 2035. Um, I can't wait to see or hear what that will bring us in terms of changing the weather patterns of Australia, Holly. It will do nothing to change the weather patterns of Australia because as you and I have discussed and I've said plenty of times uh, previously elsewhere that global warming, climate change, any of those phenomena, uh, whatever you think of them, it's not the responsibility of one country to change. It is, it's absolutely a global thing and requires any sort of global effort. So whatever changes we make in Australia is going to have very, very little impact whatsoever, considering we are less than 1.3% of all global emissions. So um, there seems to be an overinflated self of importance of what our contribution can be uh, when it comes to these guys. But there is absolutely no way we are getting anywhere near that target whatsoever uh, without nuclear energy in the mix. We know it's zero emissions and it can provide affordable, reliable baseload power. Yet this Labor government is insistent on pandering to some extreme green agenda or, or green in the sense of our crazy unicorn farmer green political party here in Australia and the, the extreme left who oppose nuclear and in all shapes and forms, regardless of its use in medicine and, and many other things. But, you know, never let reality get in the good way of a Greens argument. You're uh, never going to be able to power Australia with a windmill. It doesn't matter how many windmills you build. 
It's just never going to happen. It is absolutely never going to happen. And, and, you know, Casanova Bowen, the uh, minister for pink bats previously, the minister who was responsible for immigration that let NZYQ in, that led to all of this detention migration issues we're facing, this guy's been responsible for every single stuff up we've almost seen over the last decade or so in this country, 15 years since they were last in power. Yet here he is now in charge of the energy transmission and actually overseas trying to call for the end of fossil fuels, which is the two biggest parts of our economy and our exports. I mean, this guy is just a lunatic. He's a numbskull. He is absolutely insane. I don't know how, you know, Chalmers or any of his other cabinet colleagues sit there and not literally strangle him when he goes out and says this stuff, because every time he talks, he's just shutting down the Australian economy for zero uh, global benefit when it comes to emissions um, and just, I mean, it, it is beyond belief that this guy is allowed anywhere near the cabinet table, let yeah. remains in government. He just should go and let the grown-ups back in charge and start to have a technologically agnostic, all of the above approach. No one's saying we don't want less emissions, but let's do it without killing our economy. Let's do it without uh, basically sending Australians to live back in a dark age. New South Wales just last week they were saying, oh, can you not put your dishwasher on after 6 That's o'clock right. tonight? I mean, this is going real well, real well. In the second um, week or the, what is it, the third week of December we're getting yeah. told that. The third oh. week of summer, not in the midst of summer, the no. third week of summer. It is just lunacy and these people are just so blindly wedded to it. I think until literally the lights go out, yeah. uh, they won't be happy. I'm convinced. Holly, I am convinced Mm. that unless we start losing living standards rapidly Mm. and we sit in the dark and half of us lose all our jobs because Mm. there'll be none to work, uh, especially in things that need electricity, which is about three quarters of our industry, until that happens, these dickheads won't wake up. Well, it's already happening, Chris. We've already got people who cannot afford to put their air conditioning on, who are making choices about what they're doing with regards to their power bill. Our standard of living is already declining, and it seems to be uh, this Labor government's dream to put it on a faster trajectory downwards um, for absolutely no benefit, except for Chris Bowen to go swan around a COP meeting over in Dubai. I mean... Anyway, I, it's it's just before Christmas. Thank God there's some festivity, but this guy just sends my blood pressure through the roof because he's uh, seriously his ability to form a coherent policy to put through an idea and even have some concept of consequences seems beyond the realm of his comprehension. Yeah, and the danger we have with him being climate change minister is the fact that he is an evangelist. So therefore, he doesn't sit there as a good minister would and weigh up different sides no. of the debate to no. try and work out whether offshore wind farms are a good fit in that particular region. Oh, no, it's full steam ahead, demonise yep. gas, blow up coal-fired power stations, and we'll get the world moving again. It's just bullshit. Yeah, Anyway, another news poll result, and Labor's had a, a small bounce back. But Anthony Albanese, I tell you, he's clearly on the nose, um, and that's not a great place to be at the end of any year, but deservedly so, right? Well, I mean, if you look at the challenges that every Australian is facing, and we are seeing it more and more, we, you know, there was a survey out yesterday, I think through a news poll, that over 60% of Australians are cutting back on Christmas this year. 
on what they're spending on their own Christmas uh, meals and celebrations, what they're spending on gifts. Um, there are a lot of families very, very stressed um, as we come into this Christmas season. And there is no end in sight. This government is offering absolutely no hope when it comes to cost of living relief. Uh, and as we were just talking about, you've got that mumpty Chris Bowen out there who's basically saying, don't worry, we're going to make sure you pay more for everything because, you know, as your energy bill goes up and every industry's energy bill goes up, that means everything goes up, every price goes up. And they just are so beyond, uh, you know, linking these issues together. Australians' cost of living pressures are just going to continue to grow, which is incredibly unfortunate and really sad for a lot of families. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, we are going to see it reflected in the polls, I think the saddest things for Australians as they head into this Christmas is it could be 16, 17 months till they get a chance to boot this lot out. Mm. And what damage could they do in that time? Yeah, yeah. You, you, they're, they're starting to drop the ball on the big ticket numbers. No, everywhere, you know, they, everywhere. Everywhere. Don't even Immigration, give them the credit of the, you know, national security, cost everywhere. of living. Everywhere. Yeah. Every ball. They've got no clue and the backbench was looking uh, increasingly despairing over the past few weeks uh, as they look down on the Labor ministers and think, seriously, is this the best we've got? Uh, every They just, they have no clue what they're doing. It's I've never seen a government in such a shambles uh, as what we've seen over the last, really since they lost the referendum, really since The Voice, yeah. uh, they have been completely rudderless. Because right up until then, they were able to distract the public. They were able to focus on international issues, get him travelling around looking like a prime minister, uh, focus on things like The Voice, which was about number 85 on the priority list. And so, therefore, they didn't have to do the heavy lifting. Now mm -hmm. they've had to do the heavy lifting. They've worked out that it's a, a lot easier in the cheap sheet, in the, in the cheap seats. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They don't, I, don't know what heavy lifting is. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing Albo's year in review, except oh, did, did I miss the part, Holly, about the miserable thumping the Prime Minister copped in the voice referendum? Did I turn around at the time he said something about that? Seriously, could you get over it? $450 million spent on a failed referendum. These guys have barely been able to say the word Indigenous since they lost it. Uh, and I mean, it just shows how wedded they were to the plight of Indigenous Australians in the fact that, well, that's just gone out the window now. Um, I mean, those of us that have seen these guys in operation felt that they were really using this as a test case to see how easy it would be for them to change our constitution, to, to shift our country fundamentally through this term. Uh, and they got an almighty shock when over 60% of Australians, every single state in Australia, gave them a thumping and resounding no. Yeah. The fact that he could do that statement, I mean, the other thing that got me he actually mentioned uh, real wages going up, which is actually a complete lie. Mm. Real wages are going down. Uh -huh. Real wages have been consistently going down. Whilst wages may have been increasing, it is not in line with inflation. It is under inflation. Real wages are going down. There is an Australian out there who is saying, my hip pocket is heavier uh, since this government's come in. So it was actually not even truthful. Uh, and, I mean, if they cannot even in their own end of year holiday message speak the truth and acknowledge what was probably the most divisive thing we've seen in this country for generations, uh, yet not even acknowledge 
even the loss and say as a country we need to heal would have been better than him pretending it just didn't exist. It is They are tone deaf. They think the Australian electorate are mugs and will forget. And yep. it's important that we keep reminding yep. uh, you, you in the media, me in, in politics, that the Australians don't, and I don't think they will forget, but that Australians don't sort of get the next shiny thing over in the corner that Labor tries to distract them with uh, rather than remember the damage they have done to this country and our community. See, if they were worth to Bob, they would have had a plan B for when they lost the referendum. That is... And they would have had a plan B for when they lost the High Court case. They would have had plan Bs when they had convicted terrorists being yeah. released. Mm. They would have had plan Bs when it was in the inflation rate every uh, and a mortgage rate, cash rate increase every single month. These guys have not had a plan B anywhere. And, in fact, they've barely had a plan A. Their whole plan has been... This government paper's not hard. We've got public servants. We'll just do what they say and let it all roll through. Oh, I've got a brainwave. Let's try this one and throw it out there. There is no plan. Yeah. Uh, I think if you could see a plan, you could start to say, well, you know, they wanted to achieve that. This has occurred, blah, blah, blah. We can find a, a path. They don't have a plan. No, none. Uh, Daniel has said on the chat box, Bowen is a sellout. Warwick has said we are mushrooms kept in the dark and fed crap. I think you're spot on. We've got to go to a break, Holly. Back in just a second on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Just a terrible situation there and Biden was behind it pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went, I bet you more than 50% didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war. Uh, it went to people's pockets. Kind of like what we have in, in uh, Palestine. Uh, with The US since, since, well, under Biden uh, Trump shut this down, thank God. But you know, Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to uh, that part of the world. These people are, have been after Israel forever and, and uh, supported by Iran. And billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them, uh, you know, basically uh, create chaos in the Middle East, terrorism. And, and we saw what happened earlier this year, about a month ago, uh, the two one attack in Israel and the death and destruction, rape and kidnapping, more than 240 people kidnapped. Joe Hoft on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at, and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. 
These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. Yes, Warwick, you're right. Controlling the population by the information given. That's exactly what the federal government of Australia thinks that they can do and that we're all dummies. Uh, Holly Hughes is the senator for the Liberal Party in New South Wales. Uh, Holly, you've certainly stood up and made a strong commitment to Israel over the weekend. Speaking at a pro-Israel rally, you were very critical of those who didn't uh, even address the terror attacks on October 7. But you, you had a lot more to say. Have a listen to this. There are more than Jewish people living in Israel and they are being subjected to the same sorts of events and torture that is occurring, endorsed by so many supporters of Hamas. And I want to say to you as a member of the coalition, I am embarrassed by what this federal government has done their support for a UN resolution. When you are voting with Iran, with North Korea, with Russia, you are wrong. When you are not standing up for the rights of Israel, our long-term friend and partner, you are wrong. Holly, I think in summary, if you are trying to stand up for the innocent people uh, in Gaza who've been killed... You can't just do that on its own and mm. not show respect and understanding and support for those who were killed by those terror attacks on October 7. It just makes well, sense, doesn't it? Well, absolutely. And the treatment of not only Jewish women but Israeli women who were raped, beaten, tortured and abducted and murdered, uh, beheaded and the most awful things happen and witnessed in often cases by their families, uh, the, there was 57 days of silence from the UN women's groups, 57 days before they acknowledged what had happened to those Israeli women. And the thing is, they're not all Jewish women. You know, they, they're not all Jewish. You know, there were Muslims, there were, there were Thai women, there were all sorts of nationalities that were impacted by this, yet complete silence from the UN and its women group that's supposed to be responsible for all women. The Red Cross absolute shameful behaviour, they have not been in to see the hostages, the Jewish and Israeli hostages. That would be normal par for the course for the Red Cross to go in and check on hostage welfare, and that is what they do. That is part of the international uh, rule of way things happen, yet when it happens to Israelis and Jewish people, these organisations go missing, and it is absolutely disgusting. In Australia, we have anti-Semitism. We've had F the Jews, gas the Jews, uh, which has now been uh, reconfirmed uh, through statement witnesses that have been provided to the police of people that heard that, despite some of our left-wing media doing their best to deny that it was ever said. Yeah. I mean, this is disgraceful anti-Semitism happening on our own shores. And, uh, you know, it does need to be called out. I am very pro proudly pro-Israel. Um, I am a Zionist. I absolutely believe in the right of Israel to exist. Uh, and for those that argue that Jews somehow are not Indigenous to this part of the world, uh, in just a couple of, well, week, 
we're going to be celebrating the birth of a pretty famous Jew in Bethlehem. We've, you know, for that reason alone, uh, it proves the point that Jews have been in this area for a lot longer than 1948. Mm. So I, I think what is happening is abhorrent. I think this government, federal government, is speaking out of both sides of its mouth. It's trying to appease to its left-leaning pro-Palestinian wing within the Labor Party as well as the extreme left in seats like the Prime Minister's own seat of Grangler, uh, but yet trying to say to mainstream Australians, no, 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 but of course we still stand with Israel. And that all know. said, and I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to celebrating the birth of Christ in five days' time. Yep. I am disgusted at what Benjamin Netanyahu has done in terms of the approach that he took in the early start part of this war where we've got up to 20,000 innocent people have died. That, that yeah. to me, and I've spoken to Israeli people on this radio yeah. program who yeah. are just as disappointed and sad about Look, it. I think there were two weeks before the Israelis went in. There was plenty of warning to Hamas and to the Palestinian people of Gaza that this was going to occur, that there was going to be an annihilation of Hamas. There was no mincing of language. There was plenty of uh, time given for evacuations. Evacuation uh, corridors were set up. But what we do know is Hamas uses Palestinian people as human shields. It was Hamas that blocked many Palestinians from leaving, which is why the deaths occurred. Now, Israel has a right to defend itself, and I staunchly believe that. They were given a number of weeks' warning, and I do think Israel was right to go in and attack. We know that we have tunnels that have been built by Hamas through all the aid money they've been given. They could have a city like Singapore had they spent the money on developing themselves, but instead they put it towards trying to destroy Israel. I've also spoken in the Senate a lot, Chris, about the UNRWA, who are the educators of Palestinian children. It is a fallacy to say that somehow those Palestinians are peace-loving people who support the right of Israel to exist. If you read the textbooks that Palestinian children are taught from, by UN agencies, they are taught jihad. They are taught from the river to the sea. They are taught that they must be martyrs. They are taught about Temple Mount and what they need to do with regards to the mosque. It is much more complex than saying what Bibi did or what Netanyahu did was too over the top to dismiss Hamas. There was a peace accord. There was. Hamas broke that. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt Hamas used them as human shields. Hamas put their hospitals, their tunnels coming in and out of hospitals and schools. These are the people that need to be annihilated. And I'm sorry, I, I, Gazans uh, should be able to have, have got out of Gaza should they want to. But I think to look at the way that they've been educated and the entire funding from Iran, et cetera, et cetera, and, and those Middle Eastern countries around them, whose sole purpose has been the destruction of Israel, uh, is dismi- you know, is somehow trying to paint a picture that all Palestinians that may have been caught up in this are peace-loving who wanted to support a two-state But solution. they didn't want to die. Um, look- well, how do we know? How do we know? Because they are taught from primary school that martyrdom and jihad is their duty. So how do we know that? And that's in the UN-based textbooks. Okay. So I think it's a bit simplistic to just all of a sudden paint a very rosy picture of a Palestinian peace-loving people because I don't think that's the situation we were looking at. 
Okay, let's talk about the year that has just gone. I just wanted to get from you in a political sense who you think mm-hmm. was the outstanding individual mm-hmm. uh, in politics in 2023 and someone who's disappointed you the most. Well, look, I think Jacinta Price has certainly had a year like no other yeah. uh, and the work that she did with Warren Mundine and Karen Leddle. Oh, hang is, on, is it possible that she could be Australian of the year or is that so too So ridiculous. Close? She's a conservative woman, Chris. <laughs> Don't be crazy. She's a conservative woman. That yes. would be over. Um, but, you know, you just have to, like, her year has been outstanding and the, on the back of her work with Karen and with Warren, uh, we ensured that this divisive and what would have been a fundamentally shifting change in the Australian way of life was not able to proceed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think she's certainly... Uh, Strong, courageous, her, brave, all of that. ...had a pretty Brilliant. good year. I don't think you'd look back on your year as her and go, well, I could have done more. Failure? Albanese, for sure, closely followed by Linda Burney, uh, and then their whole cabal of those that put the no ref- the, the referendum forward and, the, and failed in the yes vote. Alan Joyce probably hasn't had a cracker of a year either. <laughs> uh, but I think the biggest losers, unfortunately, are probably the Australian electorate uh, in that we are all facing more challenges thanks to the ineptitude of this government. Yeah, very, very true. Hey, thank you very much for all your efforts on this radio program. We are growing and growing and growing, and when we're stronger and stronger, we hope to have you here as well. Thank you very much for your time, and have a great Christmas with your new husband and the family of 18 on Christmas Day. Excellent. Happy Christmas, Sippy, and to all your listeners. Hope you have a lovely restful break. We'll talk soon. Good on you, Holly. Thank you. Cheers. All right, there you go, Liberal Party Senator for New South Wales, Holly Hughes. A lot of what she wants to say about Israel won't be... uh, Uh, You all won't concur with what she has to say. I know many people will. That is part of that issue. It fires up a lot of emotions. It fires up disagreements and conflict. I'm quite happy to take your calls on our talkback lines if you'd like to uh, disagree or agree with what she had to say. From the United States or Canada, 1-888-201-6425. From the UK, 033-0024-1026. And from Australia and New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. Got to get your news on TNT Radio. TNT Radio News. This is news. Here we go. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Israel's war in Gaza is now threatening to derail global trade, with four of the world's largest container shipping companies now redirecting their ships to avoid rocket fire and drones in the Red Sea. Slovakia has expressed its concerns over NATO's involvement in Ukraine, and tensions appear to be increasing on the Korean peninsula, with North Korea firing two ballistic missiles into the Sea of Japan in a direct show of force against the US and its southern neighbour. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio.
All right, it doesn't stop there. We don't stop with Holly Hughes, and I know a lot of people are having their say on the chat box. I'll get to what you have to say shortly. And you get VIP status, of course, if you call the open line, the talkback line, so do so. I've got uh, Upper House Liberal Party MP for Eastern Victoria joining us right now for the last time in 2023, Renee Heath, MLC. Welcome back to TNT Radio. Thank you for having me, Chris. Now, listen, we've got to have something to say about where your studio is at the moment. Can you call it a studio? It's got good well, soundproofing. I'm in the car at the moment. I've been in the electorate of Bass today. I'm in Lang Lang right now, and I was in, uh, gosh, where was I earlier? And I started in Pakenham, and then I've sort of made my way around. <laughs> Lang Lang. I've never heard of Lang Lang. What's that made up of a population of how many? Oh, I reckon it would be a thriving population of about 3,000. I could be wrong there, but <laughs> it's a little place. That's good. <laughs> Got a great fire station. And how are they feeling about coming into Christmas? Are people sort of cutting, uh, cutting a little bit back on their preparations? Are they saying that to you? seeing it a lot I think people are generally extremely stressed this year and I'm, I I know we're going to talk about that later on but I think the cost of living crisis is hitting the individual and they are cutting back mm. yeah it's understandable why don't we start there I, I noticed a story that came through on the weekend that Melbourne's food banks say they're overstretched and under-resourced in the lead up to Christmas with one service in the inner north grappling with a 12 100% surge in demand. That is an incredible measurement of Australia's cost of living crisis, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. It's it's very sad, actually. A few months ago, I visited a food bank in Mornington with Chris Crutha, who's the member for Mornington there. And the man who runs it was saying for the first time, people with full-time jobs and even mortgage holders were accessing the service there. And it's heartbreaking to see long lines at food banks around Melbourne right now. In fact, Food Bank Australia's hunger report found that 36% of Australian households are experiencing food insecurity right now. So more than one in three, to me, that's unbelievable. And there was an Age article yesterday and the manager of Wellington Food Bank has quoted saying that people are choosing between rent and food. So that's the last thing people need coming into Christmas. They're worrying about land tax, which just keeps to be increasing and increasing, health taxes, higher energy bills. And I don't know if you knew this, but last week the government sneakily announced that they were reducing three key energy concessions that were going to be cut. That's going to affect. Well, I think that you cannot just keep spending and spending and spending and expect nobody to pay for it. So we are in a time of crisis at the moment because Labor has just not been able to to manage money. Recent data is showing that the Victorian household income has fallen to the lowest level since 2014. Mm. So the government just keeps slapping us with more and more taxes and I think that we're paying for their incompetence. And you, when you think about it, depending on what mortgage you have, you mentioned mortgage holders heading into food banks for the first time. Um, to, to, to control a mortgage when you have borrowed the majority, you've got to find twenty-five to $30,000 out of nowhere in 2023, given the rises that we've had in two years. 
And that's almost having to do a second or even third job, depending on how many jobs you've got. And there's not enough hours in the day to do that. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right there. We're, we're going to have to see some lifestyle changes, definitely. But I think, you know, what my concern is, is the government needs to get its spending under control. All right, there's that. And then there's the Islamic terrorist conspirator, Abdul Nassar Ben Bricker. I don't know how many times I've reported <laughs> on Ben Bricker. I reported on his arrest. I reported on um, the trial, uh, which went um, for a lengthy period in Melbourne. He, of course, was the key conspirator in trying to blow up several landmarks in Australia, including the Melbourne cricket ground when it was packed um, he'll be released this week. My information is he could be released as early as tomorrow. And unbelievably, the federal government won't challenge his newfound freedom. Now, if you have an opportunity to challenge his freedom, I would have thought you'd do so because I think the game has changed, Renee, in that all of a sudden we've got a war in Gaza and emotions are running really strong about how the Palestinians are being um, handled, um, how too many of them are being killed. Uh, there's Islamic notions around the world, both in Denmark and also in Germany, that there were terrorism plots being foiled there. This is not the time to release someone like him. I don't think there is, ever is a time to release somebody like him. And it's been reported that he's being released because he's allegedly not a threat. So how can a person convicted of running a terrorist organisation who publicly labelled Osama bin Laden as a great man. That's right. Not a threat. This guy is the definition of a threat. And when they locked him up, they should have thrown away the key. Yeah. And even in time, that during the time he was in prison, he was, he was suspected of wielding significant influence over terrorist cells around the world. Whether it's a case of um, whether it's the case of releasing hardcore foreign criminals from indefinite detention, the Albanese government is being completely caught asleep at the wheel, oh, yeah. and it's innocent Australians that are going to get caught in the crossfire. So, Look, why would you give him the benefit of the doubt? There is no reason to give him the benefit of the doubt, even if he spent fifty years inside. I completely agree. And you said, you know, about how with the war in Gaza, how things have changed. You, you're right, they have changed. But even if they hadn't, I think somebody like him should never walk the streets again. He's a religious extremist. He's a terrorist. And there's no excuse for it. I think you're right. Um, Mike has made a short comment on our chat box on tntradio.live saying Albanese is making Australia unsafe. Now, these are key um, issues, key platforms that you've got to get right when you run government, when you run the country. If you don't get immigration right, if you don't get national security right, if you don't get cost of living right, they will kick you up the rear end come election time, and they're getting all of those three key platforms, key policies wrong, Renee. Well, so they should, and, and it's not just Albanese, it's also Claire O'Neill. They blame everything on everybody else. Yeah. But their job is to keep Australians safe and Australians shouldn't have to live with the fear of a terrorist attack because the government is soft on crime. They yeah. just shouldn't. Yeah. And I think especially with this, we shouldn't be, we should, like we've heard about all those other criminals that have been released and so far I think four have already re-offended. 
that shouldn't have happened and that is affecting individuals. But when somebody is plotting a terrorist attack on the MCG, that is something that is so large scale that we cannot mess with that at all. He needs to go away for life. Yeah. Now, are you getting any traction with the stalker inquiry recommendations? I noticed um, that Joy's law had been passed in the Victorian Parliament. It's not directly related to the stalker inquiry, but it's related in a way, um, and you can explain that to my listeners in a second. Um, I don't think Parliament seems to be focused on this, which, of course, they will the second someone is stalked and therefore hurt or even killed, won't they? Um, yes, I'm getting tracked. Absolutely. We're getting traction from it in the community, but from the government, absolutely nothing. And I'm very thankful for the support I've received since bringing it up in Parliament last month, but I have not received a response at all from the government. So there's sort of two ways that you can raise things in, in the Parliament when it comes to things like this. I've done both. One of them's called a constituency question and one of them's called an adjournment debate. For one of those, they have to respond within two weeks from when I ask it. The second one, they have to respond within a month, and I failed to do both. So there's zero care factor when it comes to these things with the government. My view is that the government is so focused on its ideological little um, projects mm. that it actually doesn't care about what is really important to the safety of the community. Indigenous entitlement and rights, and also uh, they seem to be infatuated with global warming as well. Well, that's right. And I think, you know what, you can have your causes. That absolutely doesn't bother me. I think you can have your causes that get get in there, debate them, and find the best thing for the community. But first, things need to come first. And something like this is, I think, should take precedent. Plus, the work's already been done. So for the people that don't know, the Victorian Law Reform Commission recommends made 45 recommendations into stalking. And they're not things that are really earth-shattering. They are things that will strengthen what we have. Yeah. So they're education programs. It's around funding. And um, all the government has to do is to implement them. They promised that they would. And that was it was September last year that those things were tabled in Parliament and absolutely nothing has been done. So I've got, I really want to hit the ground running with this next year. Mm. Um, we, I'll be doing a lot of work on things over the summer um, to make sure that it's ready to go and, I'll, but, and all the government needs to do is approve it and, and I'll have a, an update for you on that next year. That's good. You know, when I uh, wrote my book, Stalked, um, I did a lot of study about what was happening in the United States. And those that seemed to have a grasp on stalking were the ones that had set up stalking units within the police force, the state police force. And so that stalking unit was able to oversee uh, issues that were reported to local police stations and give advice to local sergeants about how to handle it, hand, handle them because 80% of stalking reports end up being becoming violent. And there were states in the United States when I did my research that showed that 30% ended up in death. Um, yeah, I was and, amazed. <laughs> and for that reason, and for that reason, you know, if you've got a, a stalking unit made up of five individuals who can not only uh, teach, train uh, different uh, precincts, but they can go and 
handle or oversee individual complaints about stalking, it makes a hell of a difference. You get in there before the, the crime happens. That's right. And I think that we've got to be much tougher on crime in general. And I've said it before that I think there's not enough of a disincentive for people not to offend. They get a slap on the wrist and yep. then they go on their merry way. And that yep. is that, you know, I've often raised Celeste Mano, who was a beautiful young 22-year-old girl who was one of those ones that did result in death. Now, I have worked a lot with her mum. I've been, you know, going through different things that, that need to happen. But if you've got an intervention order because of stalking, it is an offence when you you um, breach that. And we need to be tough on people that breach that. You know, there's, and I think they really need to explain why it was breached and there needs to be measures in place to protect these people. Yeah. You, you know, you'll get attention, of course, when there are real life uh, examples of how stalking has led to crime, including killing. All of a sudden, the government will focus attention on it. And that is so terribly, terribly um, wrong that they would do that and wait until that mm. that 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 moment. But uh, you can see what will happen. Um, one yeah. last question. You'd be a fan of ABBA. You would have been an ABBA fan when you were a kid, right? Well, look, I didn't really know who ABBA was when I was a kid, but I do request it every time there's a DJ, you know, I'll say, Dancing Queen, like every Yay. other person. So that's about Great. it. That's, that's where my fan fanness fandom ends. All right, all right. We'll we'll be looking for the uh, uh, Renee Heath Dancing Queen videos on social media from here on in, because Melbourne is likely to host the ABBA eighty million dollar virtual concert. That is a good thing, right? Look, I thought we were going to be hosting the Commonwealth Games too. So let's hope that this time <laughs> they can keep their side of the deal. It's a holographic concert, which sounds pretty cool, but also it needs a purpose-built auditorium, which, which is extremely expensive. In fact, oh. $80 million is the price that I read today. It sounds oh. like a fun night out, but we spoke about this. We spoke earlier about how one in three households are experiencing food insecurity. Yeah. You just have to open the paper any day to see that the cost of living crisis in this state is out of control. So give the, give the ABBA comes, concert a flick pass. I think you're right. I just think get your priorities straight. And yeah. I just think that when it comes to properly funding our police, properly funding our teacher teachers, this government makes cuts and cries poor, yet when it comes to a virtual concert, they're happy to spend tens of millions of taxpayer dollars. So I think, look, let's see what they do. I think when it comes to international events, maybe they should just keep to what they promised, which was the Commonwealth Games we saw this year. I have no problem with an ABBA concert. In fact, if it comes, maybe I'll go myself. But I think at some stage we have to grow up and yeah. stop buying things on our dad's credit cards. We have to take responsibility for our spending, and I hope that the Victorian government learns that lesson soon. A little bit of responsibility and uh, a few less headlines might be better um, yes. in the future for the government. They love their headlines, the Labor Party. They love them. Yeah. Renee Heath, you've been an absolute uh, inspiration. Um, fantastic to have you on the program in 2023. I'd love to have you on in 2024. Have a great Christmas with your family and uh, enjoy the break, please. I, I know how hard you work. You need a break. Oh, thank you so much. You have a Merry Christmas too. And 
we're all so proud of the progress you've made this year. So keep it up. You're an inspiration to many. Don't forget that. Thank you, Renee. Much appreciated. <laughs> Thank you very much. Have a good break. We'll talk soon. Bye now. Thank you. Okay, Renee Heath, MLC for Eastern Victoria. She's been great to have on the program because she can throw anything at her, not just aspects of Victorian political life, but uh, federal politics, social issues, cultural issues, climate change. She's across it all. So we'll hopefully have her on the program in 2024 as well. I'm late for a break. I better go there right now on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. I think we have a big problem globally with the perception that people have, especially with people who I think are quite intelligent, they're well-off, they're well-meaning, and yet they have bought into the whole man-made climate change scam. I was at a holiday party last night and a lady that was there had a Tesla. And I have nothing against Tesla. So I was asking her, well, how long does it take you to charge the Tesla? She says, five hours. That's in her garage. And I said, well, what if you're traveling cross country? She says, I'll look up rapid charging station. I said, okay, okay. And how long does that take? A half hour. So let me get this straight. You have to plan your trip so that you will stop for a half hour at charging stations, you have to go look along the route. I mean, I travel across the United States all the time. It takes me three minutes to fill my tank for 400 miles, not a half hour to recharge it. And what's interesting is it's tough enough to figure out which hotel to stay in as opposed to trying to find a charging station. But if you have a lot of money, that's fine. But things got sort of sticky at the end of the party to a point where my wife actually grabbed me and said, come on, let's go. When the lady said to me, well, I'm doing my part to stop CO2 from warming the atmosphere. Again, what bothers me is that she's very intelligent. I've had this encounter with a lot of intelligent people that they have actually been brainwashed. So we got a whole lot of work to do to try to at least get people to understand what's going on and to look at it. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go, but I did ask for help and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there, providing hot meals, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. To learn more, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. The voice of a changing world, Chris Smith, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Plenty of stuff to give you. I, I want to get to this very quickly in this ongoing debate about nuclear and some countries who uh, have, you know, put their task forces in place to look at uh, small modular nuclear reactors. So that's a very smart thing to do. It doesn't mean you, you're committed to the technology, but you've got to look at it because it's the next frontier. Um, and I think Rolls-Royce is making a really good decision about what to do with Ukraine. It doesn't matter what happens with Ukraine from here on in. You've got to rebuild that country for those people, irrespective of who you blame for the war, irrespective of who you think might be winning the war. That's immaterial. You've got to build something resembling what Ukraine was like, and you've got to be able to power that nation. Well, Rolls-Royce 
has put their hands up. Rolls-Royce is in talks with Ukraine's biggest private power company to build a string of mini nuclear power plants in the country. The Telegraph is reporting today that DTEK, which is part of billionaire businessman Renat Akhmatov's industrial group, has held early discussions with Rolls about developing small modular reactors at sites currently operated by coal power stations. And of course, the transfer from coal-fired power station to a nuclear reactor is easy because the transmission lines that are already in place for coal-fired power are the same transmission lines that you need for nuclear power being transmitted to the grid, which is why this talk about renewables is far more costly than any politician will tell you about. Uh, Maxim Timchenko. The company's chief executive said he expects nuclear power to form an important part of DTEK's future portfolio as Ukraine is rebuilt and its country switches away from fossil fuels. Why you want to switch away from fossil fuels when you're on the seat of your backside and many of your major cities are blown to smithereens, I've got no idea. Would you put your idealism and global evangelism to one side and think about how you can power your people. Think about how you can create jobs. Think about how you can rebuild an economy again. Forget about the idealism of saving the world. You won't save the planet from Ukraine. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Uh, DTEK and Rolls are examining whether up to eight existing coal power station sites two of them currently in territory occupied by Russia, could eventually be converted to house SMRs in the 2030s. It comes as Ukraine is scrambling to deploy less centralised and more renewable sources of energy. As I say, um, if any country in the world should dispense with the ideology of getting rid of fossil fuels, it's Ukraine. Because at the end of the day, you are not changing the temperature of the planet from Ukraine. There's nothing Ukraine can do to make a difference to the temperature of the planet. Talk to any scientist about that and they'll meekly admit that it's the truth. So just get the country going. And the quickest and easiest way to get the country going is to make sure that you've got fossil fuels that are effective and create baseload power. And of all the countries in the world that need that right now, it would be Ukraine. Now, that's not to say that SMRs are not the future in Ukraine. They will be. They will be. But right now, beggars can't be choosers, I would have thought, if you're in the Ukraine seat. Um, This has got to be the Christmas present of the decade. And it came from a council, a local council in Queensland, Australia. Roads, rates and rubbish, according to ABC News, are the cornerstones of local governments across Australia. But in Cherbourg, in southern Queensland, the Indigenous Council has added ham deliveries to bring some festive cheer. Think about the councils that you might be under where you live. What would it cost? They could buy for ratepayers a ham each, a family to get a ham, they'd get it cheap because it would be a bulk purchase. So instead of paying $35 for a half leg, you'd probably be able to pay $22, $22 they'd get it for. Why couldn't you give a $22 discount to your ratepayers by handing them a ham? What a wonderful Christmas present and the sort of thing that local councils should do. 
The Cherbourg Aboriginal Shire Council this week delivered a leg of ham to every household in the town as a Christmas present. How good. For local elder Leela Davison, the fresh delivery will help fill all the mouths she has to feed this Christmas. I've got family coming from the Sunshine Coast, even my daughter from Lismore. It will be a special Christmas this year, she said. I really appreciate what the council has done and how they're looking after everybody. How good is that? Mayor Elvie Sandow. I wonder whether she's any relation to Chris Sandow, the former South Sydney halfback who comes from Cherbourg. I bet she is. I bet she's related. She said it had been a tough year for the small community of 1,194 people with several prominent deaths and the voice to parliament referendum. So there you go, a ham to every family. That gives Cherbourg Council the Council of the Year Award, don't you think? I agree. I've got to get out of here. I will leave you in the capable hands of Dean Mackin, followed by the one and only Katie Hopkins. We'll be back at the same time tomorrow. Let's do that tomorrow at the same time. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio.